Warning. The following show features spoilers and opinions performed either by professionals or under the supervision of professionals. Accordingly, Dead and Married and the producers must insist that no one attempt to recreate or reenact any opinion or fuckery performed on this show. Hey guys, welcome back to an all new episode of Dead and Married. I'm your host, Ashley. And I'm Travis. And I'm unofficial fan favorite Aiden. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about my favorite entry in the Friday the 13th series, the final chapter. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Can we all collectively agree that so far this has been the best one, at least? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I, I don't know how much your opinion, honey, will change from now until Jason X, but for now, in my opinion, this is the best one of the series. Yeah, like, I can I completely. Can I like, think so. I think past number five, it's all downhill from here. So it probably will not change much. I don't agree with that. I feel like part six, Jason Lives, is also one of the best ones in the entry or in the past series. Six, then. <laughs> but yeah, definitely past six. I will say <laughs> they get they get a little iffy. <laughs> How does everybody feel about this one in particular, Travis? I know you didn't have just a bunch of experience. Like you're you're kind of going back and you're relearning this series, as it were, um, being forced to pay closer attention this time. So, <laughs> to say my thing, for all intents and purposes, this is more or less your first time really watching it. So, how did you feel? Um, it, it was good. I mean, I like Jason better than this. I think Ted White did a great job. And the kills were good. They brought Tom Savini back. That was nice. The actors were probably a little more likable in this one than some of the characters you get in the other entries that we've seen so far. That's I just funny. think overall it's a better film. I completely agree. That Aiden, was... you've been watching this movie since you were a little guy probably way younger than you needed to but i know that this is one of your favorites so do you have anything you can recall going back watching it as a little kid or um this was one of the ones where i covered my eyes every time a kill came up because tom zavini is a master when it comes to makeup effects but this is also one of the only ones where by the end of the movie i don't have someone where it's like oh thank god they died like there's normally in these horror movies there's at least one character where you're like please just shut him up just make it stop and this was one where i didn't have that all the characters were just there yeah even teddy who is supposed to be the i guess the shelly mm-hmm. sort of in this one he was kind of a dick but he was still entertaining he was funny he was funny so <laughs> you can accept him being kind of irritating because he's funny and then when he you know when he get, you're not waiting for him to die i guess no. i can tell you that others do not share our thoughts on this film <laughs> oh no so on imdb it's just a six out of ten and and on Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 19%. Oof. Oh, God. No accounting for taste. Yeah, Once I again. The, I think the meta score was like a 33. And on Voodoo, Voodoo now, it's a 4.1 out of 5. So. You know, when real people rate it. I was going to say, I know that this one and part six are usually two, the two that are the most beloved amongst fans, myself included. So if I'm going to put one on, if I'm just going to pick one out of the series, this is usually my go-to. I feel like this one is the one that gives you everything. It's the best possible Jason that we get because the story is also good because you could say that Kane Hodder is the best Jason period but he's not in the best movies of the franchise so I feel like this one has everything going for it all the way around. Okay so I I like Kane Hodder. I do but I like the way this is going to sound crazy. I like the way Ted White moves as Jason better because I think he's you know Kane Hodder had brutal moments in his movies for sure but Ted White just brings it and I think that's because it was in Crystal Lake memory we were watching he was not a fan of this series he was a stunt man he showed up they were like put on this makeup go kill kids and it was just a job so he wasn't trying to be any certain way so he just went after him and i i like it yeah uh, he's he's my favorite jason so far that's fair i will say he doesn't bring the same life or character to jason as kane hodder does just because he brings that breathing that movement mm-hmm. naturally into the character mm-hmm. but i will say that ted white definitely brings a lot more power overall to jason even without the movement. Yeah, he brought a better physicality to it. I agree. Yeah. And the dude didn't have to be padded either. He did nope. not. <laughs> but, you know, part of that's because he'd been a stuntman forever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he was a stuntman for John Wayne. He was a stuntman for Clark Gable. The guy had been doing it for 30 years. At the point where he did this movie, he would have been like 60 years yeah, old. Yeah, I was going to say, the dude was movie. 60 playing Jason. Yeah. That's insane. So this is not some 20, 30-year-old guy that just showed up on set one day and they said, here, you're Jason now. This is a man that's been a stunt man I, I guess his whole life and he was good at what he 
did. For what oh, he had yeah. to do at 60 years old, he did pretty fucking good. Because he was still, like, this Jason still runs. And he was doing a lot of that. He's got some of the most physical shit that I've seen apart from Kane Hodder in the series. I don't know. It, it depends on what day you catch me on. Because some days I may say Kane Hodder's my favorite. Other days I say Ted White's my favorite. Because I feel like they are both the most brutal two out of the bunch. But Ted White just, sometimes he has that just a little bit of extra that just pushes him over for me. But Kane Hodder, I feel, is more iconic in that role. And so that's where I have a hard time choosing between the two of them. Well, Kane Hodder gave Jason a personality. Yes. He gave a personality to a character that never speaks. Yes. So I think that's the difference. I How on earth do you emote through a hockey mask? But he somehow does it. You get that anger and that frustration. Well, you do it with a lot of heavy breathing. The rage, Michael. Yeah, it's, it's mostly the shoulders, the up, down. Like, I heard him described once as the shark from Jaws, and I absolutely 100% agree with that. Yeah. Like, like he just keeps pulling those, what do you call them? Barrels down. He just keeps pulling those barrels down and showing up to the boat. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> he also brought some great humor. Like, I know that Jason Takes Manhattan is one of the much maligned of the series, but I tend to have a soft spot for it because it was one of the first ones I ever saw. And that moment in Times Square where where he, those punk kids are yelling at him and he lifts up his mask. Oh, it's cool. It's cool. Like, I don't feel like any other Jason had those types of moments. Maybe, maybe in Jason Lives, the the holding up the severed arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? But yeah, I love a brutal Jason at the end of the day. That's what I want Jason to do. I want him to show up, kill some annoying kids and do it in a sick fucking fashion as brutally as possible. I'm sorry. <laughs> You are a twisted individual, but that's okay because we all are. So, um, I think my favorite thing about this one, aside from the kills that I'm sure we'll get into later, was just like the moments where he would just grab someone and chuck them like a bag of potatoes. And his age only makes that even more impressive. Yeah, he. This Jason has an affinity for throwing dead bodies or jumping or, through well, glass. Just, just throwing bodies. Period. Yeah. Because uh, when he yeets the <laughs> yeah. Doublemint twin out the window. Uh, yeah, that wasn't even a yeet. That was a yite. Yeah, that <laughs> was, was pretty good. There was energy behind and that. And then when Rob comes, he's like, I found your boyfriend and throws him through the glass. Like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and Eric Anderson's not a small guy either. Well, I'm not saying that Ted White physically picked him up and chunked him through a window. But I, he, I, I wouldn't surprise. Have. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he did. But from what it looks like in the interviews, he is a man who gave zero fucks. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, I'm here to do a job. And, mm-hmm. I don't, and, and at one point, he even threatened to walk because of the treatment over of uh, one of the actresses on the film. Yeah. And I'm sure I'll let yeah. you talk about that later. Yeah. This was not like fan fiction for him or a lifelong dream. He just mm-hmm. showed up to do a job and he did it. He yeah. did it well. Very, very well. I, I completely agree. So you, you've you already talked about kind of what this film is rated at large. So we'll go through our cast of main players here. And as we've already mentioned, we have Ted White as Jason. We have Peter Barton as Doug. Corey Feldman, and I don't know if this is his first role or not, as Tommy Jarvis. Crispin Glover as Jimmy. Eric Anderson as Rob. Kimberly Beck as Trish. Judy Aronson as Samantha or Sam. Uh, Joan Freeman as Mrs. Jarvis. Clyde Hayes as Paul. Lawrence Monison is Ted, Barbara Howard as Sarah, and Camilla and Carrie Moore as Tina and Terry. That's a mouthful. Yeah, and you know what's this one... I don't know that it's related at all, but uh, so the guy that played Doug was the lead character in an old show called The Powers of Matthew Starr. Mm-hmm. I never heard of it. I hadn't either, but when I looked at it, I thought, I think maybe I saw that on TV. Really? Yeah. But Joni Ar- uh, Jody Aronson was in that with him as well for a few episodes. Judy. Judy. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Amy Steele was in it as well. Uh-huh. So uh, what movie was it we were going through? And it, we were going through the cast list and it's like, well, they were a Power Ranger and, and the this one was a Power Ranger. It was Deathgasm. And this one was a fucking Power Ranger. Yeah, Deathgasm. No, no, I think it's interesting when they get multiple actors all from one series. I believe I heard that My Bloody Valentine, the original, was the same way that you had several of the actors in that film that were all in the same TV show. I think that adds to the chemistry on the film when they do that. When they can pull actors and actresses together that have worked together before. I mean, if nothing else, they know what they're getting themselves into with that other person. Maybe that's what makes this film in particular 
particular more enjoyable was the chemistry between all of these characters. They felt like real friends. They felt like people that knew each other for years. All of the conversations that were had between a couple of characters that were set up, like maybe they were friends for a long time. You felt that almost. They had, they had a good rapport and camaraderie about them. Writing off of that, I think it was only the chemistry with Crispin Glover that kept me from hating Teddy. <laughs> The only thing that I I thought was strange about it was Paul goes with... Sam. They're together, right? Paul and Sam are together. Paul and Sam are together. Thank you for names. And then, (laughs) like, when the twins show up, he's like, well, I'm going to have that one now. And that was kind of strange for me. Yeah. I don't know. Like, he was creating a really bad situation. Like, you have to ride back in a car with her after you've cheated on her? Are you sure about this guy? But that was the only part of the chemistry that I thought where they got it wrong, sort of. You know, is that he goes up for this, I guess, weekend in the in the woods with his girlfriend and then all of a sudden he's like nah i want that yeah that was weird yeah am i wrong no it was weird i don't know i i know how you are personally that when you have a girlfriend you tend to be all about that one girl but i think it is common knowledge that you can some guys can be with a girl for a long time but as soon as any other girl shows them any interest well then they're all about that because everything's all shiny and new again yeah but he didn't like while they were dancing he was like oh okay I, I want to I want to dance with her now sort of and she's like well I'm going to go what skinny dipping yeah. or whatever like she just told you she's going to go get naked and you still want to take your chances with this sort of unknown quantity over here I don't yeah. know. if she's throwing it out like that guy you're, you're probably going to get some so <laughs> I don't like, eh. well at any rate I, I just thought that was awkward that was a weird choice Paul got rewarded for his decisions <laughs> he really did and in the most appropriate way really yes Absolutely. God damn it, Butters. Don't shoot people in the dick. (laughs) So, again, as I said last week, none of these sequels reinvent the wheel by any means. It's just that this one had a little certain something extra that the rest of them I did not feel had up until this point. Because the premise is it's exactly the same. It's, It's always the same. You just have a new group of kids going into a new location at Camp Crystal Lake. The difference is this time is that we get this joint story, which I thought was really an interesting dynamic to have yes we all we have the same group of kids that we always go through the same archetypes but then on the other side we throw in a family we raise the stakes a little bit this time and not only is this group of kids more likable but this family is really likable and you don't want to see anything bad happen to them even with it being Corey Feldman okay I was gonna say except for Corey Feldman I'm always I'm always up for seeing something bad happen to him in a movie you wanted to see him get creamed by the train yeah pretty much <laughs> and I'm, I'm pretty sure in the interview, Ted White kind of wanted to be the one driving that train. <laughs> right. Because he was not a Corey Feldman fan. Was it? He said he, every time he walked by, he wanted to yank him up and spank him. Yeah. Well, as you and I have discussed many times throughout our 21 years, there are people who are kid people and there are people who are just not. So I'm guessing Ted White was just not a kid person. <laughs> like, children are to be seen and not heard. Read your lines. Behave yourself. Yeah, well, he is from Texas, but... They... <laughs> there you go. There you go. The Aiden, is... are you okay? Are the bruises healing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're working on it. It's okay. Nobody can see him. Um, apparently got along fine with the rest of the young people that were on the cast. So it makes me wonder if Corey Feldman wasn't a little pretentious. Maybe, yeah. He could have just been a little shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. If he, if he acted the way he does in the movie, then I don't understand. If he acts the way he does in Stand By Me, then I would want to hang that kid up in a... He didn't act <laughs> any way in this movie. You know he was, I no, felt he was that a, he was a likable yeah, kid. Yeah, he was a good kid in this movie, but in, I'm talking about on the oh, set. Oh, okay. gotcha. Yeah. If on the set he acted the same way that his character in Stand By Me does, then yeah, I'd want to yank him up and spank that kid Pile too. of shit has a thousand eyes. Speaking of his other roles, I was very disappointed in him at the end of this movie. He broke one of the rules of the Goonies. He <laughs> said die. You made that joke like two I weeks know, ago. And I'm still disappointed in him. <laughs> Goonies never say die. <laughs> Okay, well, that's true. They don't. But when Jason lost his mask, it did kind of look like he said, Hey, you guys. (laughs) 
So Leave sloth out of this. So back to the premise. We pick up exactly where we left off at the end of part three, where after Chris has planted the axe into Jason's cranium, and he just kind of keels over. Um, yeah. He is picked up by local hospital, I'm guessing, and busts his way out of this hospital, goes back to Crystal Lake, and wreaks havoc on a new group of kids and the family that live next door. Yeah, there were a couple things that I did appreciate about the opening. Um, one being that they didn't feel like they needed to spend the first 20 minutes of the movie rehashing the last movie. Yeah. yeah. You got kind of a montage of just some clips of mm-hmm. the ones that came before sort of to lay the groundwork. Although they really didn't spend much time on part three. Most of what you see comes out of part one and two. Yeah. But that was kind of nice that they didn't feel like they needed to rehash all of it. The other thing that I found enjoyable is that they apparently packed seven kids and three <laughs> dead bikers into only three ambulances. Actually, they did it in two because Jason got one all to himself. I don't know. I mean, they just Tetris those kids in there, I guess. I will say that I didn't realize until we mentioned the beginning of this movie. I, I apologize, listeners. I lied. There is one character that I really went, oh, thank God, he's dead. And that is the skeevy oh, the, the guy at the very beginning. Oh, right. Who's like, you want to go join me in that room? Ah, ha, ha. The guy that that uh, is okay uh, with fucking dead bodies. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you there. I think yes. killing the corner was a good call. Yes. Yes. I agree. And he I need, and air high five. Five. Air high five. Air high five. <laughs> yeah. Not so much with the nurse, though, because she did kind of shut him down. Yeah. I mean, she was about to make a real bad decision. Jason helped her out of that. But right. Accidentally letting his hand touch her leg or whatever. The but... ultimate of cock blocks. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's an accomplishment. If you get cock blocked by Jason Voorhees. Post-mortem to post-mortem yeah. Jason Voorhees. I but, will uh... say that I, the only problem I have with the beginning is that I do kind of feel like it's a straight rip off of Halloween 2. All of Friday the 13th is a straight rip off of Halloween. <laughs> but I mean specifically where you have the nurse and the paramedic. I mean, in this case it's coroner, but in Halloween 2 it's a paramedic and he's just desperate to get in this nurse's pants it was just it was all too reminiscent of that scene i don't think i've ever seen those movies you're gonna have to tell me about it you mean the ones that we covered all of october last year (laughs) oh you were explaining it for our listeners yes not for me no Okay, I'm pretty sure all four of our listeners have heard seen that heard uh, that episode. I have been informed by my good friend uh, Lala Thomas that we are up to five. Sweet, Dude, we're up to five, five listeners. listeners. Yes, we are moving up in the world. <laughs> we are on our way to fame. <laughs> like she literally messaged me the other day on Instagram. It's hilarious. She's like, "You have five listeners now." I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> It's just great. Oh, brief sidebar uh, before we get into this thing. I actually got to meet two out of three members of Podmortem a few days ago. It was so fucking wonderful. And I just wanted to say thank you guys for having us sit down with me. I enjoyed it so fucking much. And I love you both so much. But having said that, moving on. (laughs) So I guess next we'll tackle the story, which I guess I'll start my favorite part of it. Well, one of my favorite parts at least. Oh, no, 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 no. Be... We're not talking about favorites yet. We're, we're talking about, did you like the story as a whole? Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about the overall story. Yeah. Okay, well. Because they're usually exactly the same. Yeah, but overall, yes, the story was great. I enjoyed having the vengeful brother who's like, was he your brother? You're talking about Sandra's brother? Yes. Yes, yes. Where he was like, vengeful, he's gonna hunt down Jason. That was cool. It was nice to see someone actually react to the actions of Jason rather than just here's a fresh batch like somebody's gonna go and make him pay for the consequences yeah yeah absolutely yeah but um that and gordon (laughs) try not to tear up (laughs) same problem with muffin he survived i you know we never see gordon's body we didn't we didn't like muffin muffin's alive i'm i'm gonna say he's a happy pupper out there somewhere with a new family yes yes yeah it does not involve Corey feldman he did he did in fact have a girlfriend and he went on to make puppies is he out there making puppies with muffin <gasps> maybe they'd be some really cute puppies what was she like a shih tzu or something and yeah, he's well, a he, golden that, retriever that, maybe that's not a good idea <laughs> that would be awkward yeah they're just very small right so both retrievers. dogs survived and none of the humans did we're good Yes. Yeah. yeah, and and he like he escaped in the baddest ass way possible too. He, he jumped just, through a window. He just yeeted himself out the window. So he's just like, I yeah. I'm out. In I'm the spirit gone. of the '80s, he's like the fall guy. He's like, fuck this, I'm going. 
Yeah, fuck left. this shit. I'm out. What about you? What did? What do you think about this story? In, I think in it's general? exactly like the other ones. <laughs> yeah, but there they were don't small changes. I appreciated. they don't get super creative with these until they decide to go to Canada, and then well, then they're they're in New York for like thirty seconds. Well, they weren't super creative until they brought the X Men into it. Yeah, it wasn't. It was the same story, same story they've had before. They're really only two differences, I guess three. Uh, one being that you actually like most of, if not all, the characters that show up here. Yeah. Um, they did bring the family element into it, although I don't know that that was terribly effective. It was just three more people, yeah. really. I... Um, and you had a hunter yes. of sorts mm-hmm. that was that was tracking Jason. Mm-hmm. So, um, But none more bad. I think it for me it all comes down to as long as the, the characters are likable, then I'm good. Like almost regardless of what the story is, because I, I don't have high expectations for Friday movies, honestly. Yeah. I don't expect anything deep. Like I don't put one on and think this is going to be the next thing that's going to you know, blow my hair back or whatever. This is, it's like Taxi Driver. It's a classic. No, it's it's not. It's a Friday movie. Yeah. So I don't. Know, they checked all the boxes. Mm-hmm. I guess. What about you, Ash? Um, everything that you just said, I think, helped make it a better story and a different story. For those reasons, to me, it doesn't feel the same. This almost feels like a fresh take. And there's even subtleties in there, like the fact that you had the mom who is disapproving of the children who are next door. You get that that brief look of these children are coming here and they're gonna fuck shit up and I don't know maybe it's because it was supposed to be the last one you kind of get those callbacks without them being obvious callbacks like the way that part three did before so for that I felt like adding the family raised the stakes some because now you have a child in peril and I know that I'm always as a parent but yes as a parent that does up the stakes for me that you don't want something bad to happen to the child. One of the things that I find hilarious is they keep putting this child in situations. Uh, well, I guess this is the generation of latchkey kids. So you did have a lot of kids that were responsible for a lot more in the 80s. Yeah, these are my people. The kids that were left home alone. Okay, yes. But I feel like you don't want anything bad to happen to the child as long as the child is not Corey Feldman. I second that. Thank you. <laughs> but I will say that his character of Tommy was very likable because a lot of children in horror movies tend to be either a creepy as fuck like gauge or you have kids that are fucking annoying they're just there to be antagonists pick on people be obnoxious and i felt like he was a likable child he was a child i personally could relate to i like gauge better than him same i liked the twins from the shining better than him i think it's funny that you mentioned that because i would say that the character of tommy jarvis is you specifically i know i hate myself why do you think i'm saying this <laughs> Like you just had an innocent kid who he he seemed good. He how am I how I'm I'm trying to f- explain this in a way that will make sense to you guys. Like he wasn't obnoxious. He wasn't okay, annoying. Well, well, stop using big words if you're gonna explain it to us. <laughs> you have to dumb it way down for us. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever make it past first grade really. Try to limit level, it to so. words with only one syllable. Anyway, this was a kid who just liked his video games, refused to get a haircut, liked to look at boobies, and he loved his dog, and he loved his family enough to try to protect them, and got inventive in the way that he killed Jason. He used his brain, similar to Ginny in part two, where he used psychology against him. I felt like he was he was good for a final last person standing character yeah he also knows how to work on cars uh fix home electrics uh Mm -hmm. whatever like when the power went out he might have just flipped a breaker but he was crafty for a small child yeah he had a lot of knowledge yes um and he's a mask maker so that's good and apparently a makeup artist so yeah and then at the at the end of the day once he you see the this little dark side to him at the end which i thought set up the sequels very well had they really brought that to fruition it could have worked out very well that this was kind of like what they were setting up with Jason Goes to Hell, that this is a contagion almost, that the evil can pass from person to person. Yeah, they set up a sequel that was never supposed to happen because this was supposed to be the last one. Right. But but after this, we get Zombie Jason, right? Well, Isn't we've, this the last we've, real... Yes, the, the next Jason Jason we get, we go into full-on right, zombie territory. Right. Technically, if we're going to get into semantics, after this we get paramedic vengeful father Jason. Yes, but we covered that last last week. I'm aware. <laughs> 
Yeah, we we really screwed all that up. Or the week we, before last. Sorry, we covered that one. Like, well, Aiden wanted to do this, and he's not going to be here. So now here here we are back doing yeah. part four with Aiden. And it's funny because then, as of recording right now, Aiden's leaving again tomorrow to go back. <laughs> So he was with us for a few days and we said, hey, let's go ahead and record part four while we you're here. We keep shipping him off and he keeps coming back. <laughs> they haven't figured out that I have memorized the home address. <laughs> so I guess kind of moving forward, what did we think about the acting in this film? I thought the acting was, I mean, again, nobody's in, out here to win Oscars or anything. But when you compared this to something like part three, fuck, where the acting was just god awful. I had no problems with this one. Aiden? No problems. Uh I think the actors interacted with each other really well. And so overall, I can't complain really about anything. I really just want to know where the corkscrew is. I have to be able to find it. <laughs> I don't have any like big rocks to throw at any of the acting in this movie. Um, yeah, no one was trying to win any awards or anything like that. But there wasn't anything that just stood out as being so bad that I would want to just rip on them for 15 minutes. And, and Except it, for Crispin Glover's dancing. Goddamn. <laughs> and it's exactly the opposite for me. There were moments that stood out to me that were really good as opposed to just really bad like we normally have okay name 12 i can't name 12 i can think and we'll get into that with kills because there is one scene in particular that i find disturbing as fuck i'm alone in it apparently except for one other reviewer and i'll go into that story in a little bit but yeah there was a performance that i thought was just great so well do we want to talk about the score before we get to that what score <laughs> i was gonna say this is Friday the 13th. well i mean that's kind of part of our thing we talked yeah. About the score. Sadly, as far as Friday the Thirteenth movies go, the Thirteenth, Thirteenth, Thirteenth. This uh, just does not hold up to the third movie. I'm sorry. I, I think this score was far <laughs> superior to any of the ones that came. I told you. Before. I told this you man, off mic that Dad hated that disco thing. I know this man is a liar and a scoundrel. The uh, Friday <laughs> oh, I'm the 13th. not a liar. I really <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth Part Three uh, score was fantastic, and I will not have anyone tell me otherwise. And I told you. I I remember telling you off mic, part three is Megan's favorite. You need to be kind. And you were mean in that episode. I was not <laughs> Yes, mean. you were. You were like, fuck off with that. Don't fucking do that. Fuck off. <laughs> and I was like, I did not. Yes, you so did. Say it exactly like that. <laughs> yes. You're paraphrasing. Fucking knock it off. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think we all collectively agree that the story, the acting, all of that in general, it just kind of gelled better because, because maybe, maybe it was the way that it was written but because of that like I said the actors felt more like they had a genuine chemistry with each other it felt very organic and so that lent to the story too of you really I mean I don't know if there was anybody outside of the Jarvis family that I didn't necessarily oh don't kill them I don't want them to die I don't know that there was or, or Rob even I think those were the ones that I were I was rooting for was the Jarvis family and Rob not necessarily the teens but at the same time it wasn't like I was actively waiting for any of them to die. Okay, I feel like we either needed Crispin Glover and um, what's his, Corey Feldman. We either need their characters to swap places or Corey Feldman and Rob. So I think that they should have let Crispin Glover survive so that he could seizure dance his way right on out of his woods. <laughs> So clearly, clearly your dad really wants to talk about this scene. That would have been amazing. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so that's the thing we can go into next. What is your favorite scene of the film? Um, probably the part where Superman dies. That's, um, I don't know, if I had to pick a favorite favorite scene overall my favorite would i i suck at this you guys know i suck at this <laughs> especially with this movie because this is a really good movie probably that the shower kill period and it would just be that just because of the sheer brutality of him just shoving his hand through that glass and just crushing his head okay. like that's just impressive you go ahead i have i have two favorite scenes oh and the seizure dance that's that's another uh, okay one. Putting seizure dance aside, because I think we all like the seizure dance. That's just a given. I have. <laughs> Travis has got you nothing. Just took it away from me. That's not okay. Aiden's doing the dance now off off mic. Yeah. Don't tell them that. You're doing they don't it. need to know I'm doing no the dance. No way. Um, Today. Okay. Well, I'm going to say it anyway, because I don't care about your rules. I like the dance. Um, I think that was that was pretty good. I don't know. I like the whole the banana sequence at the very uh. beginning. <laughs> Like that, it's just funny. 
to me that like, you know, they're driving by and she's got her Peace Love Canada sign and on the back of it she wrote, fuck you. Forever paired. For everybody who didn't pick her up. Uh, I think that was pretty great. And then she's like, I'm just going to sit down and have some fruit. Did not know. deserve was, what she it got. Was it was funny. That scene was just funny. That's the reason I liked it. How about you? So my favorite scene apart from the seizure dance is the scene where after Rob is killed, Jason yeets his body through the big window of the main cabin. And okay, you could say, why didn't he just enter the house through said broken window? I don't care because it lends to the most badass scene of the entire film for me, which is when Jason bursts through the front door, just obliterates that front door and the sheer, the look of sheer horror on Tommy's face. I don't know that it gets any fucking cooler, like a Jason moment than that. So, so part of that scene, from what I understand, when he, I think we're talking about the same one where he, Burst through the window and grabs Tommy. No, it, it was in the same vicinity. Yeah, but, yeah, but not that particular. I need to add that to mine because apparently he didn't. They didn't warn uh, Corey didn't Feldman that Corey that was going to happen. Yeah, Feldman, Corey Feldman. Um, <laughs> apparently, they didn't warn him, or Ted didn't warn him that he was going to do that, and he was like crying and shaking after the. What are you? Over. Shit! All six um, foot four of Ted White. Yeah, so that was another good scene. But yeah, the, the really door, was. the Michael Myers door bust was good, which actually... You're referencing not... a shitty movie to talk... Like, I would say Halloween Resurrection came way fucking later. So if anything, Michael Myers ripped That's off Jason. That's what I was about to say. They <laughs> ripped that off of this movie. Had to have. So it's a copy of a copy of a copy. See. Inception. Ah, my brain. Um, oh, so when we were watching the movie, the they had both brought up a point where whenever they block themselves in the bedroom, they were like why doesn't he just bust through the door like he did with the front door and I realized something because I played the Friday the 13th game all of his skills were on cooldown guys he was was biding time I've never thought about that. <laughs> he was just waiting for the right moment. <laughs> it's That's been totally way too right. long since we've played that game. It was such a good game. But it's definitely fun. Yeah, it was. I'm, there's To me, that that's part of what makes this one so great, is that there is scene after scene after scene that is great. And yes, most of those are kills, but some of the scenes in general are just great. And some of them, are, like the banana kill, like you were just talking about, they don't really amount to anything, but they're just it's fucking just, fun. Yeah, just a fun, weird, random scene, like the Crispin Glover dance. Yeah. Like nobody told him. Or him to or, dance or like the that. scene where they're having an argument over who gets which of the twin girls and Ted sticks his hand out of the front of his pants, which made me think of Pineapple Express. It's like my thumb is my cock. My thumb is my cock. Aiden's <laughs> doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that the thing on my pants is big enough I can shove my he hand. He thinks it's here, a funny cause... thing that he's doing, and I I love the funny thing that I doing. love the way Crispin Glover talks in general in this in this movie too. Hey, Tad, Tad, where the hell's the corkscrew? The corkscrew for the wine bottle. <laughs> it's like he's laying the groundwork for the character he will later play in Back to the Future. See, I again, I'm, I'm not since versed on Back to the Future. <laughs> you have never seen that movie. You don't know. Aiden, tell me I'm not the odd I, man out I, here. I don't know either. Okay, great. <laughs> You're both not cool. I'm sorry. I watched, I think, I think I watched like half of the first one. You're both not cool. <laughs> and I watched enough of, it was either the second or the third to remember that one of the guys, like they screwed up and a guy brought uh, uh, one of the little sports manuals from the future back to the past. And that messed up a bunch of things. I can't remember which movie that was. Did you even watch that movie? <laughs> I don't. You don't I, even know. I remember so, bits and pieces of it. So the other thing about the banana kill that. I'm going to, God damn, I'm going to sing that Yo Gabba Gabba song. It's kind of interesting. Don't. <laughs> Keep the bananas. Keep the bananas out of the podcast. Yeah. No. No. Well, they're already in. But (laughs) is that that was not Ted White that killed her? Right. That was Tom Savini. Mm -hmm. And to hear the actress talk about it uh, when they filmed it, Tom was like, "Okay, it's gonna be fine. It's a real knife, but don't be afraid." God. It's a real knife. That would scare me to death. Just make sure you move your head to the right spot. I'm okay. Yeah, no. Does anybody else feel comfortable with that? Because I'm not going to feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable at all. It's a real knife, but don't be afraid. See, I always thought the way they they did that was when they were doing the actual stunt itself, then they would use a rubber knife, right, to do the actual stab. And then you would cut away and then put a real knife in there slowly and then cut to a real knife for close-ups so that you can tell that it's real. But I don't know why they 
they would go have gone that route. Like, yeah, no, that, no that's we're not... using a real knife for the whole fucking thing. I'd be like, no, I'm gonna go over here. <laughs> My name's Paul. This is between y'all. <laughs> like, I'm. <laughs> I'm having no part of this. So one of the things that I've noticed about Friday the 13th is that they did not really worry about the safety of their actors and actresses in these uh, movies much. Clearly in this one, that is true. Because actually the, the the one where Ted White nearly walked out was uh, the, the, the scene raft in the kill. raft. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I guess she was going to get stabbed through the bottom, kind of like Kevin Bacon's character in the first one. The mm-hmm. stab comes up from the bottom. So there was a hole in the raft, but it was like 20 degrees outside. And poor girl had hypothermia. And Ted White had to go threaten the director to walk off the set if they didn't get her out of the water. And she said she was sick for several days after that. So, yeah, they were not really concerned about their actors and actresses' welfare when they made any Friday the 13th movie that we've watched so far. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Well, I, I would say that we were, as of, like, today, actually, moving our mother-in-law, my mother-in-law, Travis's mom, from one house to another in 100-degree weather. There, there was not a lot of concern for her well-being <laughs> But you gotta get a movie made, you gotta move to another house. I think during that entire time where we were unloading things, I didn't drink water for that entire hour and a half while we were in there, in that hot... We were there for much longer than an hour and a half. Then for like two hours, I did not drink water while working in the heat. Yeah, you gotta stay hydrated, kid. Yeah, that probably contributed to I've got one of those awesome outside jobs, so I know this, it doesn't bother me as much, but... It probably contributed to my dizzy headache during You're probably today. right. I feel like this is not a Friday the 13th episode. <laughs> it is not. Um, no, I just felt compelled to throw it in yeah. there. <laughs> because sometimes when you have a job to do, it sucks what you have to go through. But at the end of the day, it's still a job. You still got to do it. Yeah. And Ted White even said that he job. did. He wasn't necessarily angry with the director for how that all went. He was like, you know, he was just trying to get it done. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of understand that. You know, the faster we get it done, the faster we get mm-hmm. to get everybody back in, you know, a warm place or whatever. But at the same time, probably best not to accidentally kill one of your uh, actresses actors, yeah. while you're doing Well, I mean, technically she was, that's when she was dying anyway. Yeah. But not in real life. Moving on. Do we want to talk about the kills? How did we feel about the kills as a whole? I felt like, I think anybody who has done the research on this film knows that the MPAA came down on this one a little bit harder. There were some brutal, absolutely brutal and inventive kills there, but there were some that there were kills off screen. There were kills that didn't have a lot of gore to them because they were really saving up everything they had for that money shot of Jason's demise at the end. So I still am happy with the kills that we had. What are the ones that stand out for you guys? I guess for me, other than the one, like I was talking about the shower where he just crushes his head, I guess it would probably be the core screw not because of any like gruesome blood or anything but just for um crispin glover where's the corkscrew here it is <laughs> i found it for you <laughs> yeah, I <found> the corkscrew. <laughs> yeah i brought it to you i'll put it in your hand <laughs> um, uh, i'll hand it to it's, you it's yeah. one of my favorites just for like the gruesome aspect of it but also it makes me cringe even now every time i see it, it and is then the, the cleaver death. to the face <clears throat> right yeah but after. It's, it's the death of that boyfriend where he gets harpoon gunned in the harpoon <laughs> it's he takes a harpoon to the harpoon <laughs> yeah it's, it's oh bad oh my god <laughs> Yeah. He becomes a eunuch. Well, you know what? It, it's only bad because it's, what do you call it, a tragedy in three parts? <laughs> first three parts he, involved. First he stabs him in the junk and then lifts him in the air and then pulls the trigger. So, yeah, it's tragedy in three bad. parts. I can't imagine that getting a Prince Albert with a spear gun is a good time. Definitely. <laughs> What about you? What did what person that stood out to you? Uh, kills that stood out. The banana kill, just because like it, they really it wasn't because it was bloody or gory. It's just because they focus on her crushing that banana. Oh, See, that whole scene was funny to me. It was gross to me because you had all the banana in her mouth. Yeah. Well, like a whole job of the hut thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that one stood out. The shower scene. I like it more because of the backstory where I guess Savini handed Ted White the head and he was like, "It's the only one we got, man. You got to be gentle with it." And the director was like, "Crush that fucking thing." And Ted Webb was like, hell yeah, I'm going to crush that fucking thing. And yeah. he crushed it. That one, oh so man. So he just smashed the hell the out of it. The sound design for that kill too, where you just, oh. it sounds like you, you're just crushing a milk jug, you know, like you're squishing it, going to the garbage. It just, you, yeah. you, you heard all of that as he's crushing his head in. You ever step on a bag of chips? <laughs> <laughs> 
middle no. of pop and then just crack. No, but clearly you have. Thanks for wasting our money, by the way. Yeah. It wasn't um, your money. It was the school's money. But those two, um, specifically. And then I like every scene where he throws someone through a window. Those are all good. <laughs> there's there's like three where or he, four Where he tosses double mint twin number one out the window. That's pretty great. Yes. Agree. Straight um, on to But that one of the car. things I like it is because it's, that's a, a stunt woman that did that. So it's a real person. Really not that I'm Not that I'm sanctioning the idea of throwing real people out windows. <laughs> well, there was that one time he got really mad at me. Yeah, but we only, we don't have a two-story house, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I just, that adds to the realism of it. It wasn't bloody. It wasn't gory, but it felt real. Mm-hmm. And I, I like it. Yeah. I like that. How about you? So for me, and I, and I brought it up earlier, I'll just go ahead and talk about it. This, this is one. That I feel is is a little controversial amongst fans because you get a lot of people that say that this kill was annoying and over the top. But I'm gonna go with Rob's kill because I have said on this show multiple times that I always put myself in the person's shoes, right? So the fact Rob is fully has that awareness that I'm being murdered right now. Something about that is so visceral and surreal that it disturbed the fuck out of me the first time I saw it. Like, it really bothered me. And there was another time, as I do, I put it on to go to sleep, and I woke up in the middle of that scene, and it bothered me so much upon waking and hearing that. There's just something about having that awareness that uh, I'm dying right now, I'm being murdered. Like, it's, I don't don't know. And then, um, after that, I'm just gonna go on record and say Jason's fucking demise was pretty fucking brutal. I, I love that as a kill scene. I think Jason's kill scene was really good. I disagree with you on Rob's. Okay. I think the fact that he was screaming, he's killing me, kind of took away from it a little bit. I think if he'd just been screaming and telling her to run, it would have been more effective. I mean, when he's talking about, he's killing me, he's killing me. I'm like, okay, John Madden, what are they doing next? <laughs> like, what play are they going to run next? <laughs> okay, well, the, I would say that the cheese stands alone. I have heard the vast majority of people say that that, that is stupid. When I first kind of got into my content creator, quote, journey, there was one, and I don't even know if the guy reviews anymore but the very first person I started watching was somebody called Mike Brown and he's the only other person that I've ever heard say the same thing and I and share that same sentiment is like god yo that was disturbing brutal yes he's the only other person I've heard say that and I remember upon hearing that review thinking oh my god I'm not the only one that feels that way so what bothers me about that kill is that he's sitting there he's screaming he's like run and this white woman is standing (laughs) at the top of the stairs staring at him like do you not understand what run means that man told me to run I don't care if it's from a spider a (laughs) snake Jason I'm gone I'm gonna listen to him I'm not gonna stare at it and go that does indeed seem like a problem go upstairs grab a machete and come back because I can't do anything if he couldn't do anything yeah she just kind of stands up there looking like that is very intense what's happening right now That is indeed, like, very unfortunate. I am considering following his advice. Perhaps at some point in the very near future, I will indeed run. I may consider following your advice here very soon. But no, Jason's, they they truly saved the best for last, I felt like. The sheer mechanics of how they made that special effect work, that you had this head, damn near the top of his skull is cut off, and it, the eyes are moving, and the mouth is moving, and he's just... Oh, Oh, it's just, it's, oh man, that was gruesome and I fucking love it. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like that one, this, the effects were good and the fact that the, the, the face was still emoting yes. <laughs> as it slid down the machete it's blade. sliding slowly. Was, like they wanted good. you to feel that one. Okay, so all of the kills in this movie were good, but I think that, I feel like that is the one kill where they looked at Tom Savini and said, just go. Cause, because of just the amazing effects for that kill. Well. Well, what, what I saw was that they took all the rest of the movie and sent it to the MPAA and they, they just kind of bounced it back and forth. They'd send it to them. They'd say no. So they'd take off a couple of frames. They'd send it back. They'd say no. They'd take off another frame. And they just kept going back and forth and back and forth to get it cut down so that when they ran this scene, that mm-hmm. the whole thing would make it through. I don't know. It was, it was good. Money well spent. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, how did we feel about that as being, if it had gone according to plan and this had been the last movie in the franchise? Do you feel like that would have been a proper ending? Yes and no. Just no. Okay. 
Okay. I actually want to hear Dad's first. Corey Feldman doesn't get to kill Jason. Just no. And you know what? I second him God, on that. You guys really gotta let this go. But it's gotta be epic. Like if it's Jason, he's. It's gotta be something big. Okay. You know taking what I mean? Corey Feldman himself out of the equation. Still no. It's. It's. I don't feel like it should have been like an individual with machete going die 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 chopping him. Um. That that should not have been the ending. No matter who it was, like it needed to be bigger to I me. I feel like that's how he finished him off. But I would say effectively it was Trish slamming that machete into the side of his face and him sliding down like that. I, yeah, okay. But still, I don't know that you can leave vanquishing Jason down to one person. Okay, well, they had, what, an entire FBI SWAT team take him out at the beginning of Jason Goes to Hell? And you saw how well that worked out. Right, but you're <laughs> saying if this was indeed the last movie, right? Yeah, I'm like just if, saying I don't know if that there entire were no group sequels, of people do it. I'm not saying that it needs to be an FBI uh, task force with helicopters and landmines and whatever the fuck else they brought for that shitty movie, but... <laughs> My heart. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's not the best. But so, I don't know. I just feel like it, it. Like almost it would be better if they were really end it. Like if the counselors figured out pretty quickly what was going on and sort of banded together so that it was a group effort to take him out. Does that make sense? Yeah, these people yeah. are counselors. Well, but they, you know what I mean. Yeah. If the group figures out what happens. Because he's been killing there for a while. Well, not now. Not at this point. It's been what? A few days. Three movies. <laughs> <laughs> so it really hasn't been that long. But the longer the franchise goes, the, the more he's been... The more murders have happened at Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah. At some point, people that show up there should know what's going on until they go to space and then they don't know what's going on. But yeah, yeah I feel like that'd be a more effective ending where they kind of turn the table on him. As soon as the first per- dead body shows up, they're like, oh shit, it's Jason. We got to do something. Yeah. Does that make sense? I just feel like it yeah, should take more than one person to take like him out. I it's a little corny. I know, but I mean, the idea that one person is going to take him out just doesn't feel right to me. I, I honestly, it, it does to me. That's, that's the entire been... final person. I would have been more thing. entertained and thought it was much more, uh, I don't know, uh, what's the word? Would have brought a lot more closure just to see someone Macaulay Culkin in him. <laughs> There's full Home Alone, like, paint cans. Isn't that what Tina technically does to him yeah. in part seven? But so... Which is not good. <laughs> the reason I said yes and no is because I feel like even his quote-unquote death at the end of, what is it, part three, where he's thrashing at the end of that rope, I feel like even that was more climactic than the death here, where it's just whack. Like, that was kind of my thing. I feel like it shouldn't just be one final whack. I will say, though, at least there wasn't someone running around with jackassy psychic powers. That's fair. That's cheating. That honestly. is cheating. It's, yeah, I, like I said, I have a soft spot for part eight and part nine, both, and those are gimmicky. I, I will, I will admit it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I, I happen to, like, okay, if I were to change this where it would be, like, the perfect ending, uh, sorry, mom, but mom could still go that's fine but it, it would have been cool if rob and trish and tommy had made it you know kind of like but again we're back to if you had a group that vanquished him yeah right two of them survive he gets his vengeance or yeah. whatever for the death of his sister i could be okay with that i just don't feel like anyone wins in a one-on-one fight with him yeah and i can second that i feel like if it is one person on one person even if you get a lucky shot on him jason is still gonna have the last laugh but i will agree with you there with Rob, you know, if that if he had been involved, if he hadn't died, mm-hmm. if he'd been involved with that and you get some mm-hmm. emotional closure for him that yes. he's he's avenged the death of his sister. Yes. Yeah. Corey Feldman and uh <laughs> <laughs> and and the sister were a part of it. I could, I could be okay with that. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think that 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 would have been a cooler ending to have the three of them survive. And you know, because we know where Tommy ends up ultimately, so it would have been nice to have him have a happy the ending, sort of. Bin. Yeah, instead of the atrocity that was PTSD Tommy that we got in part five. I'm just gonna stand here and flex my abs real hard. <laughs> Yeah, you get like uh, discount Chuck Norris, Tommy Jarvis, or something. <laughs> I don't know what the hell that was. You get discount Tommy Jarvis, Tommy Jarvis. It was it's so just bad. All bad. Okay, so we've talked about everything else. <laughs> so, what characters were your favorite, and which ones did you hate the most? And I mean, I'm talking about like a visceral hate, like you really just wanted to see him die okay. painfully. No, I'm kidding. Favorite, least favorite characters. Who, who's starting this? Aiden. Uh, favorite character, Gordon. Um. <laughs> Hands around, S tier performance. Uh, hands around? A, you mean hands down? Yeah, he's hands, hands, hands around. Hands what, around exactly. The dog. He needs pets. 
Um, but he was he was a good boy. He uh, served us well, and I'm desperate to know that he's living somewhere in the in those woods. Okay, uh, favorite human character. Um, y'all are terrible. <laughs> I don't like people. Uh, but if I had to pick one, it would be Rob, just because mm-hmm. like he didn't do anything in any way that I would consider morally reprehensible or anything. And unlike the others, he was there for a good cause, other than just vacation or I'm gonna get laid. Like he was there for a good reason. Least favorite. I'm gonna cut Corey Feldman here some slack. We've been bullying him too long. Um, it's the coroner guy from the start, but that's because, again, that was the only one that I was just like, I'm ready for him to die. I know it's happening, but he's just been gross and skeevy, and there's probably a reason he doesn't work around living people much. Ash, what do you think? Um, so favorite, I'm gonna also go Rob. I enjoyed his character a lot. I thought that this was, up until we get to part six, I would say, I don't feel like we got a real hero in this franchise um so i very much enjoyed his presence i felt like he brought something um that we hadn't quite seen yet he was capable he was tough um yes he ultimately met his demise but he was a likable character like <laughs> we were laughing at the beginning about how when he's first introduced you know he helps them fix his car and then uh they give him a ride and the first thing they do is bring him to their house and tommy just brings this big grown-ass man to the house that nobody knows <laughs> Gart, something real neat to show you in my bedroom. So we were talking about that. We we're like, okay, one, we'd be like, what the fuck are you doing bringing a stranger into the house? Two, why are you holding his hand? Three, why are you taking him into the bedroom? Four, why did you pick up a hitchhiker? That would have been easy. That would have been the safe thing to do is to have this creeper show up. But he was a genuine good guy and, and a hero. And I just felt like we hadn't had that yet. And yeah, I, yeah, I think he's great. Um, Least favorite, since you've already said Axel, I'm going to go with Sarah. There was the scene toward the beginning where characters of Sarah and Sam are basically talking about the sleeping arrangements in the house and she's basically slut shaming Sam and I hate that because I'm like if you want to fuck go fuck I don't like this society now where women are shamed for having multiple partners that shit needs to it needs to go that's a fucking puritanical biblical bullshit thing that I cannot get behind you you fuck if you want to fuck I'm cool you're cool but she's sitting there and she's telling her I don't know how you do it and she's like I don't know how you don't bitch like I'm like yeah <laughs> right on and she's saying that she basically earned her reputation in the sixth grade even though it wasn't true she says I hadn't had sex with everybody I just have sex with Paul her boyfriend and she's like but I earned that reputation in the sixth grade and Sarah goes they don't say anything like that about me and I'm like well good for you you want a cookie and then what does she do get her fuck on in the shower so how good was she <laughs> I'm sorry. I went off on her rant there. Yeah, just, you're, you're very whole, aggressive on this topic. That whole exchange really annoyed the fuck out of me. I don't I don't like shaming of any kind. Do what you do makes you happy. Oh, I'm all for it. Yeah, other than that. Makes you feel good. It makes you feel good. <laughs> God, when are we doing demon nights? <laughs> I don't know what you have to drag Not in soon for. enough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I think least favorite characters. Corey Feldman's actually not. Kid did a good job in this movie. I would say we've talked I say a lot kid. of shit. He's fucking older than I am. He's not a kid anymore. But when he was a kid and he was in this movie, he did a pretty good job. I don't like Axel, the coroner at all. Um, didn't shed a tear when he died. Sarah was sort of a useless character, so I didn't really dislike her. I just feel like she didn't serve a purpose at all other than to get her fuck on with the first guy that showed an interest in the shower, even though no one says that about her. Um, <laughs> favorite character? That's tough. I'm going to go with Crispin Glover, though. It's kind of a toss-up between him and That's Teddy. Fair. And it's because they were both entertaining. They both made me kind of laugh. Mm-hmm. And I'm a sucker for funny. So, I guess for our final question of the night, what were your favorite things about this movie? I, this is one, I, I know we've said this about multiple entries now, but this is one of the higher quotable ones to me. Aiden, for you and I in particular, probably not appropriate that we call each other dead fucks, but I know that Aiden, you and I had for a while, we do something and say, that's such a dead fuck thing to do. And I'm not allowed to say those words. <laughs> But you you still convey the sentiment, and I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But yes, we that's that's one we like to quote quite a bit. And then of course we imitate the dance over and over and over. We sing the song as best as we know the lyrics. Aiden's doing the epileptic seizure <laughs> dance again on meth. Epileptic seizure on meth. <laughs> but that that's a lot of it for me. Is just I love the banter between Teddy and Jimmy. <laughs> 
can't I can't get names right. I love the family dynamic, like the the Jarvis sandwich or Jarvis taco, whatever it is. Jarvis um, sandwich. Yeah, there there was a lot of things that were just sweet about that one. I loved uh, Tommy's interaction with Gordon, and you, you know, you've been out running around, you have a girlfriend or something. It's really sweet. I just there there was a lot of moments in there that genuinely, not necessarily made me smile, but or made me laugh, but smiled like they were happy moments to me, and that that is something that I feel like has lacked so far in this series just in a sense that you just really like these people and again you don't really want to see any of them die um i guess my favorite thing other than the banter would be the dog i don't know if i've brought (laughs) enough attention to this but i love animal companions and horror movies as long as they don't die if you kill a dog or a cat or anything in your horror movie i will probably never watch it again um so yeah, that's, that's about it. I did appreciate, again, the dance. Um, it's one that I do pretty religiously whenever yes. this movie comes on. Uh, especially if I walk through whenever the scene comes on. I will walk in, do the dance, and then continue to watch the rest <laughs> of the movie. Like, I was going to say, you, you walk out Jason part three style. <laughs> Just do that <laughs> casual walk off after you get done with the dance. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, that's, that's about it for me. So, I guess my favorite part's that the characters were likable. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't any just, other than Axel, really, there weren't any just terrible characters in there. I like that they wrote some comedy into it. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for that. They make me giggle. Then yeah. I'm good. I thought that was good. And I like Jason. Mm-hmm. I think Ted White did a fantastic we job. Failed, we failed fantastic. to mention that we suck at life. With, yeah, we... uh, with Jason. I think that was one of my favorite parts. But that's about it. I second that. I love Jason. I like the kills. Um, this was the first one I felt since part two that had genuine suspense in it. It was back to being kind of creepy. It took on that ominous tone again where you, there were genuine moments of, of suspense and dread okay but i feel like that's between two and three what you had seen of jason didn't make you like super scared that he was gonna jump through a door right it was like he's gonna pop around a corner or something part four you see him start throwing people and running through doors and doing all this crazy stuff and you're like yep nope he could come at me at any time it's like the chances of being attacked by a bear it's never zero (laughs) maybe low it is never zero yeah it does make me wonder what would the next couple of installments of this franchise have looked like with Ted White as Jason? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that part five would have been a lot scarier with a, I'm going to run and come at you, Jason. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the damn, it feels good to be a gangster moment there in uh, part three. Part three. That was hilarious to me. I think that they didn't do a bad job in part five with them, but yeah, I think Ted White's portrayal physically was far superior. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what would, what would five have looked like with a more physical Jason? That just no fucks given coming at you. Like your, your chances of run of getting attacked by a bear now are a hundred percent. There is just a bear somewhere (laughs) in the room. Yeah. There, there is a bear here and you are going to get attacked. What would that have looked like? And I just wanted to say, Guys, we've we've joked a lot about Corey Feldman, but obviously, even Aiden, there's there's a 20 plus year difference between us, and even Aiden has grown up with his films. We've grown up with his films. He's been such a huge part of all of our childhoods between this and Goonies and Gremlins and um yeah and Stand by Me. So yeah, it's just all been in good fun, guys. <laughs> like we we realize the guys had a hard life. He's had some horrible, horrible shit happen to him. So next week, we're going to come back and talk about Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. And this is another one that, God damn, it's good. I fucking love this movie so much. Which one is this? This is the final chapter in the Tommy Jarvis trilogy. First zombie Jason? We go back. This is the first time we get a camp setting where there are actual children camping at this camp. I don't remember this movie. So this will be You don't remember any of them. This will be an interesting experience. Like I tell him every time, you'll know it when you see it because he has watched them multiple times. But this this one was to me where they took the humor and ramped it up to 11. That's part of what is so fun about part six. I love that they have like the gothic storytelling of this kind of Frankenstein-esque Jason and some more just kind of inventive kills that we hadn't seen up until that point. There, there's so much to be loved about that. And I, Tom Matthews' portrayal of Tommy Jarvis is my favorite. Favorite of the three. That's fair. Hands down. Um, so I won't be here 
to help record with part six, but just to give, I guess, sort of part of my opinion, the ending of part six is quite possibly one of my favorite endings out of all the movies. So I guess I'll leave you with that. No, yeah, go ahead. You oh, can really? you can further elaborate if you um, want to about what you like. Uh, you're, like you said, you won't be here, so you can go ahead and tell us what you like about part six. Just that dramatic Tommy's like, I'm just going to sacrifice myself out here on this boat, surround myself in a lake of fire, and then drag him down with a chain and a rock. Come on, you pussy! Yeah. <laughs> he was, he's great. He's just ready to go. And just sort of a quick look, I will say that the f- people agree on Rotten Tomatoes, this is a 50% yeah. for part six. So yeah. that's the highest rated one so far. Yeah. It's, it's really good. I, I think Tom McLaughlin did a fantastic job on part six, and I actually can't wait to dive into it because of the franchise, this is probably the one we quote the most, actually. Really? Yeah. Wherever the red dot goes. <laughs> I'm sorry. As soon as I said that, I realized how much you quote that movie. I know. I was just thinking, does he think I'm a farthead? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and yeah, it's all coming back to dad now. He's just not saying anything. <laughs> You're going to be the death of me. <laughs> Well, what a way to go. I, I love part six so much. This is, uh, and we'll probably talk about it next week too, as there's a continuation further with Tommy Jarvis into Never Hike Alone, Never Hike in the Snow. So if you guys have not seen those yet, absolutely check them out. But until then, thank you for listening to another episode of Dead Mary. We're always glad to have you here. I'm Ashley. And I'm Travis. And I'm Aiden. See you guys. Hey guys, quick reminder to find us on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as SpookyMom83 and Travis on Twitter as TravisL80. And find our official page on Instagram and Twitter at Dead and Married. If you have any questions or suggestions for films or otherwise, feel free to email us at deadandmarried at yahoo.com. Later.